What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Very Cold Lasagna, the podcast that houses a safe and open listening platform for a casual, cold, aiming the dumbest takes on the world of WWE, AEW, the NFL, and the wide world of wrestling and sports in general. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. Welcome to another episode, episode number 29, episode number 29. And I want to start off the show by telling you all, I totally forgot last Sunday was a pay-per-view. I totally forgot. Sunday, June 20th was apparently the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. And to be honest with you, I can can you blame can you blame me? Can you blame me for missing uh Hell in a Cell when literally last week last week you had a game 7 in the NBA playoffs between the Atlanta Hawks and the Philadelphia 76ers, which was honestly miles better than whatever was happening at the pay-per-view. I mean, sure, you had Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. I'm sure that was a good match. Apparently, from what I heard, it ended on a fruit roll-up. And people are complaining about it. And I, I gotta be honest with you. Yeah, it's a fruit roll-up. But it, it, Bobby Lashley is... It's, it's like, I, mean, I understand he's supposed to be a badass heel, but sometimes you gotta be a little bit crafty. I'm not just trying to defend this. I just sometimes you, you gotta be a little crafty when you're trying to retain your WWE championship, you know? And yeah, it might lead to another match between Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre, but I don't think it's gonna. But, I mean, it's. Interest. It's kind of. I don't know. I wouldn't say interesting. It's kind of a weird finish, but it is what it is. I I just didn't really care for the uh, what was gonna what was happening. I had no interest for it other than that match. And speaking of Hell in a Cell matches, it was kind of weird how they did that Hell in a Cell match between Roman Reigns and Rey Mysterio. And by the way, that never should have been a Hell in a Cell match on a episode of SmackDown. The SmackDown before Hell in a Cell, and. Reigns won, right, rightfully so. But the thing I was wondering during that episode of SmackDown, I'm like, why of all of a sudden was Jay like outright willingly like being like right there with Roman Reigns? Like, sure, he said it was like, I we might disagree on some things, but you're right, we're blood and family. But then out of nowhere, he's just like, okay, I I'm like, I'm gonna help you raise your title now. Like, really? Like. Couldn't we have, like, simmered this down a little bit more? Couldn't we, like, milk this a little bit more? Like, we were really just getting this started, you know? But, I mean, it is what it is, but whatever. And then, uh, I guess some other things that happened at Hell in a Cell. Um, just looking at the results, uh, I guess a lot of nothing. Um, it's just speaking of Hell in a Cell matches that... Didn't need to happen. Bianca Belair defeated Bailey, and I'm just wondering why did this match happen inside Hell in a Cell? I guess well because we need women. We need women inside Hell in a Cell now. Apparently, when you literally had an actual blood feud in Seth Rollins versus Cesaro, you know that's the story that's been going on since what uh, WrestleMania. That's still continuing from WrestleMania. But yet, that's not in. Uh, that's not inside Hell in a Cell, and I don't know. I just don't understand why they they did that. And then you had Alexa Bliss defeat Shayna Baszler, Sami Zayn defeat Kevin Owens, Charlotte beat Rhea Ripley, the Raw Women's Champion, by disqualification. I mean, okay, sure. So that was Hell in a Cell. I don't, I don't really care for it. And um, some other random spiel I want to talk about was the NBA playoffs. At the time I'm talking about this, the Atlanta Hawks just beat the Philadelphia 76ers, mind you. Um, obviously, a lot has changed since then um, when this episode goes up. But I'm just thinking to myself, man, these playoffs are so weird. I mean, yes, it's still kind of like a pandemic season, but you got no Kevin Durant. No LeBron James, no Steph Curry. It's just weird. 
it's very strange. And I know there's going to be some people that are like, oh, the ratings are going to dip inverter, and that's going to make all of us, like, salary AEW fans so happy because uh, we, we get, we get, now we're going to get, now all the ratings for, from, from the from the NBA people that don't want to watch see the Hawks, the Clippers, the Suns, the, the Milwaukee Bucks be in the conference finals. Now they could come to us, the, the juicy AEW fans. Like, Trust me, AEW fans. After seeing Fat Chris Jericho and as deleted to, to from the NBA playoff NBA game back in the season opener, you're not gonna want to do that. You're not gonna want to be spewing that bullshit. But anyway, in all seriousness, I just think that I just think these playoffs. I don't know. I really don't know what to think of it at this point. It's just that. You've had a lot of interesting game. I not. I don't know. It might be subjective. It's just a lot of strange things happening. Strange things happening. The Nets get eliminated. Everyone predicted the Brooklyn Nets. You know, the one that had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden to win it all. But now, yes, they had injuries to Harden and Kyrie. But now they're eliminated, and the top seeded Utah Jazz got eliminated now you're down to the hawks the flippers that yeah the la team that barely anyone cares about not the lakers and then the suns and the bucks the how many teams I, I don't remember i think only the suns and the flippers never won an nba championship the hawks and the bucks have that is insane that is very insane so it's gonna be really interesting it's gonna be really interesting how this unfolds in the next couple of weeks uh, of course they're playing games right now the suns already won their first game at the time of, uh, of this but it's going to be real real interesting uh, how the finals are gonna uh, turn out so that's just my random spiel for for today, but we got a good show for you all for the rest of the the episode because we're gonna be talking about something that happened ten years ago, exactly ten years ago, and that is the pipe bomb promo, probably another important moment in wrestling history, and it's important in a very subjective uh, manner because for some people it's important. And like it changed the wrestling industry, whether it's for good, it's for bad. It's again, it's very subjective, but it's also like important because it was like one of those promos that aren't always cut very often. We're talking about the pipe bomb promo cut by none other than CM Punk. Who is CM Punk? We'll get into that in a bit, but. As we always like to do here on this show, we gotta shill ourselves. Um, we always gotta plug. We gotta do our plugs here on this on this podcast. So, without any further ado, make sure you to subscribe, turn on the notification bell, especially here on YouTube, so you be notified of each and every podcast episode that comes out. As well as on the YouTube side of things, you get exclusive rants, news videos, whatever you have it on YouTube. And if you like to listen to me on the road, on the toilet what have you you can listen to me on apple Podcasts, spotify and anchor fm and follow me on twitter and instagram for all my weird things that i like to post on there uh, very cold lasagna so let's get into today's topic there that topic we're going back into the old icebox for the second straight week after we revisited you know that 3-1 lead and we closed the icebox for that we're going back in into the coldest section of the freezer and looking for this, the Pipe Bomb promo cut by CM Punk, a wrestler that competed in all various places, but most known for his work in WWE. He cut this infamous promo 10 years ago on June 27, 2011, on an episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we even get into that promo, we got to talk about what even led to this moment. What even led to CM Punk cutting probably... A promo that often gets talked about, and whether you're a casual, a hardcore fan, or in 
like a very in the middle road of the fan, kind of like where I'm, I stand at this moment. So when we talk about the pipe bomb promo, we have to talk about how CM Punk even got to this point. So CM Punk was a wrestler. I say was because he doesn't wrestle anymore. He made his television debut for WWE way back in 2006 for the revived ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling. And even before that, he was in their developmental territory when NXT wasn't in existence. Back then, the developmental system for WWE was Ohio Valley Wrestling. He was doing that for a year back in 2005. That's where he met Paul Heyman. Some of you know who Paul Heyman is. But even before that, he was wrestling all over the independent scene. From Ring of Honor to TNA to New Japan, you name it. He was wrestling all over the world. He was also wrestling in some very small companies that did a lot of hardcore shit. So... When he got to the big leagues, the WWE, he would have some decent success, some moderate success. He would have some success in the first few years winning the ECW, World Tag Team titles, Intercontinental titles, and two World Heavyweight Championship reigns. And he would do that by winning Money in the Bank back-to-back in the span of WrestleMania 24 and 25 and so far he's the only person to win money in the bank repeatedly like two straight times and when he did so some people were still thinking eh he's okay he's all right and that's that was a thing his his promo skills and his technical wrestling were were reasons why he had some fans but he didn't really have much of a gimmick. He he lived by the coat of straight edge, sure. But it was pretty generic. Like, that straight edge lifestyle, you know? No drugs, no alcohol, no smoking. It was not really expanded upon until 2009 when he turned heel on Jeff Hardy during that summer in that very good storyline. I highly recommend you check it out. He... It slowly developed into this cult hardcore leader where he took his li- real life lifestyle seriously. He turned it into a tried to attempt to turn it into a cult, otherwise known as the Straight Edge Society. He would try to like convince people not to to drink. He would try to convince people to shave their heads as a form of solidarity uh, to no drugs, no alcohol. And it was honestly one of, one of the very best things. Not, not very best, but one of the good, very... Not, I keep saying very best, but one of the best things CM Punk did at the time. So after the end of his SCS gimmick, he would take over the Nexus group. And the new Nexus wasn't that great, to be honest with you. So he took over for that briefly, and then he won a number one contenders match on the June 21st, 2011. So a week before this happened, he won a number one contenders match against Alberto Del Rio and Rey Mysterio. And immediately after, he revealed that his WWE contract would expire immediately after the end of the Money in the Bank pay-per-view at midnight on July 17th. So he said, when the clock strikes midnight, when July 17th hits July 18th, He's leaving the WWE, and he's leaving with the WWE Championship over John Cena. So that expiring contract, which was a real deal at that point, he that was a legitimate talking point, like a legitimate thing behind the scenes. That became the focal point for CM Punk versus John Cena leading up to Money in the Bank. And now, again, that was even when CM Punk and WWE were trying to agree to a new deal. So, it was also at that point where CM Punk was frustrated with this spot in WWE. And even though they'd given him all the tools, he felt they had an ability to push him. Like, a real push. Like, be in the main event with the, with guys like Cena, Orin, uh, to a degree, The Miz. 
at the time. And this was all in the fact that, you know, his, like I said, like three times now, his WWE contract was actually expiring. This was not like a storyline that was just, you know, fake. This was a real deal. Eventually, they did turn it into a storyline. So, you know what? Vince McMahon was like, you know what? We're going to throw you a bone. Vince McMahon gave CM Punk a mostly open mic to speak his mind. They, this was documented in that 2012 DVD, The Best in the World. I watched that like about three times. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. And Punk admitted that he prepared his own promos, but he had to run it down um, with creative to get it approved. And it was mostly improv. So the stage was set for the most game-changing moment of the wrestling industry in the last decade. But before that, there was even more stuff before that happened. I know we're getting there. We're getting there. So it's June 27th. It's a raw roulette episode in Las Vegas. So it's kind of like, you know, the roulette wheel that once it stops spinning, you know, you get what you get. You know, you might lose your waffle money. <laughs> so CM Punk had a pretty busy night. He was in the opening segment with Shawn Michaels. He mocked him for losing last that previous year at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 26 against The Undertaker that ended Shawn Michaels' career. And then Michaels hit switching music on nexus member michael mcgillicuddy now or formerly known as curtis axel i don't know what he goes by nowadays because he got released and then cm punk was also in a match with kane who won the match by countout and at the time fans thought his night was over so in the main event cm punk came out to cost wwe champion john cena a tables match against r-truth and after CM Punk cost Cena the match, and Cena was laying the table in a heap, CM Punk walked up the stage, sat down, you know, like you do in kindergarten, cross-legged, crisscross applesauce, and had a microphone in his hand, setting the stage for that one pipe bomb. So, we're about to get into this promo. He's about to talk about this how he needs to get stuff off his chest so that being said let's get into the pipe bomb i don't hate you john i don't even dislike you i do like you i like you a hell of a lot more than i like most people in the back his first few lines he talks about how he doesn't hate john cena he doesn't how he talks about how he doesn't dislike him his first few lines are about his respect for Cena. And ironically, if you look at it like deeply, I know a lot of you don't want to do that, um, and that's fine. But many of those issues that Punk addressed and what he was about to get into were a lot of it was about John Cena and Vince McMahon's behind the scenes infatuation his love for John Cena and the love and hate relationship that Cena had with the fans because as if 2006 wasn't bad enough for John Cena the early portion of the two of the 2010s we're at a point where John where wrestling fans just had enough about John Cena you know they seen enough of John Cena's especially PG friendly superhero gimmick and it's kind of weird because the millions of casuals, the millions of media figures didn't admit that, like the hardcore fans wanted to, that nobody liked him. Like, he was universally hated by a large portion of the wrestling fans. But it just stood as a testament that Cena was a marketable guy. Cena, like, sold, sold merch. Cena pushed pay-per-view buys. So, that was pretty much what it was about in the first portions of the, the pipe bomb. I hate this idea that you're the best. Because you're not. I'm the best. 
I'm the best in the world. There's one thing you're better at than I am, and that's kissing Vince McMahon's ass. That's the point where this ain't no regular scripted promo that you go out to the audience and, you know, try to relay the message to. This becomes a shoot. At least at the time it was, but eventually it just becomes a work shoot. So at this point, Punk starts to blur the lines between kayfabe and real life. And he, with that line of, you're you're good at kissing Vince McMahon's ass. This was getting to the point where he starts to call out Cena's backstage politicking, and in turn makes kind of makes Cena's whole character of never giving up, never backing down, never quitting, and going up against the bad guys kind of makes him look like a hypocrite. I am the best wrestler in the world. I've been the best ever since day one when I walked into this company and I've been vilified and hated since that day because Paul Heyman saw something in me that nobody else wanted to admit. That's right, I'm a Paul Heyman guy. You know who else was a Paul Heyman guy? Brock Lesnar. And he split just like I'm splitting, but the biggest difference between me and Brock is I'm going to leave with the WWE Championship. Punk proclaims himself as the best in the world, but technically, that would be Chris Jericho since he invented the nickname first. <laughs> but in all seriousness, he at the time, CM Punk at the time, gave reason on why he believed such notion. He talked about how he's been he believes he's the best since day one when he walked into the company. But then again, he never really gave much reason as to why he he was the best. Like he could have you like I guess later on the promo he talked he gave some snippets, but he should have said why. Why he was the best. But he he goes on to talk about how he's been vilified and hated. Um since the day he walked into WWE. And you know what? It He made that clear. He, he made it clear that the story of Vince versus CM Punk, it was no storyline. This was true. Like, Vince, for some reason, did not like CM Punk. And Vince and Punk did not like CM, uh, Vince McMahon either. Like, both, both sides hated each other. Honestly, don't know what what happened between the two. Like, did they get into a fight? Did they get into a spat? What have you? Did Vince not like what uh, what he saw in Punk? Did he not like the tattoos? Did he not like the physique? Not sure. Maybe he just saw Punk as another indie darling, and I don't know. Maybe Punk felt some resentment towards McMahon about I don't know something uh, completely different. I'm not sure uh, to this day, but it became clear in this promo that he was was hated. He felt hated by WWE and kind of like raised questions of, yeah, this thing might be might be true between Vince and Punk that they don't like each other. I've grabbed so many of Vincent K. McMahon's imaginary brass rings that it's finally dawned on me that they're just that. They're completely imaginary. The only thing that's real is me and the fact that day in and day out for almost six years, I have proved to everybody in the world that I am the best on this microphone, in that ring, even at commentary. Nobody can touch me. This is the one comment that I, I'm a little mixed on. I'm really mixed on this comment. It's kind of true, but to this day, it also bothered me because of all the promos like that had been cut in regards to this brass ring comment. You know, I want to get this. I want to get the brass ring, pal. So it, I'm, I'm one of dissectics in the best way possible. 
CM Punk believed that his hard work, supreme talent, like this ethic, should result in a higher position on the roster. And to a degree, it did in the short term. He had, I, I, I have to admit, CM Punk, growing up, for me, he had the tools to succeed. He could have been one of the top guys. He had the mic skills. He had, he had the wrestling ability. And sure, he didn't have like the character, but he more than made up for that with those two things I just listed. And sure, he didn't have the build. He didn't have the muscle mass, but he was a charismatic charismatic guy he had he had that to back that back him up the problem was not everyone bought into it it didn't draw eyes of the casual because people want to see big dudes fight in the ring they want to see charis they want to see charismatic guys go at it with each other they want to see something believable i guess people didn't believe in cm punk and I guess it's just wrestlers like Punk were one of the reasons like viewership gradually declined. And I will say this though, with this brass ring comment, at least with CM Punk, when he saw his improvements in the ring, on the mic, and from a gimmick standpoint, weren't enough. At the time, he decided to do something about it. He decided to go up, stand up for himself towards Vince McMahon and Triple H and say hey can you try to do something with me the wrestlers today they just go on raw talk or talking smack to talk about how hard they they work and how they deserve to get a title opportunity despite being complacent as fuck because look at the wrestlers today look, look at all the wrestlers that cut these try to cut these pipe bomb promos and all these, all these fans are praising the fuck out of it. And did, did you all not watch this promo that we're trying to, like, revisit right here, right now? Because this promo for, I don't know, like, it's dependent on your, like, like your judgment. This was miles better than the, the promo that you see on Raw Talk or Talking Smack and you're, that that's the one you're praising. Give me a break. Just because you work so hard at your job doesn't mean, like, you deserve uh, an, an opportunity. And that's in relation to the wrestlers today. Because unlike CM Punk, not, and again, this is not to, like, dick suck the guy. These wrestlers don't have the drive to improve themselves. They don't want to, apparently, be marketable pieces. Or in the case of Punk, even with their improvements, take a stand with where they're at. They don't want to go up to Vince McMahon and say, hey, can you please try to do something with me in a better way? Why can't they say anything? Wait, what? Or what? You're, you're gonna get fired? Just say something. Say something to, to the man. Say something to the creative team. Because at least with Punk, he tried. He really, really tried. So, we get into... This portion of the promo where, uh, after this, that CM Punk talks about ripping on the lack of promotion, the Rock main event seeing WrestleMania 28 with John Cena, and the fans that were cheering him about, about all these facts were hypocrites themselves for buying something not featuring CM Punk and also asking him for an autograph, which was an interesting point of view, but also points to his uh, uh, cynicism. The reason I'm leaving is you people, because after I'm gone, you're still going to pour money into this company. I'm just a spoke on the wheel. The wheel's going to keep turning, and I understand that. But Vince McMahon's going to make money despite himself. He's a millionaire who should be a billionaire. You know why he's not a billionaire? It's because he surrounds himself with glad-handing, nonsensical, douchebag yes-men like John Laurinaitis, who's going to tell him everything that he wants to hear. And I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead. But the fact is, 
it's it's going to get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. Let me tell you a personal story about Vince McMahon. All right, do we do this whole bully camp? So that's where pretty much where the pipe bomb promo ends. CM Punk tries to get into a personal story about Vince's anti-bullying campaign, which was the BSR. Uh, campaign and yeah, that, that's another story for another time. But I want to get to the biggest point in Punk's pipe bomb room because it's a very big point that stands today. He talks about how Vince uh, surrounds himself with like what does Punk call it? Glad-handed, nonsensical douchebag yes man like John Laurinaitis the end, end quote who's gonna tell him any everything that he wants to hear which is essentially true Vince McMahon still does this and Sam Punk goes on to say at the beginning of this portion the reason why I'm leaving is you people because after I'm gone you're still going to pour money into this company which is still true he left in 2014 and people are still pouring money. And a point that Funk made is that Vince is still making money. And here's another interesting point. It's also true that even though um, Vince McMahon is, you know, not, you know, dun, 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 dun. It's also true that Triple Mate Triple H, Triple H, and Stephanie McMahon have slowly but surely bled their influence onto WWE since the pipe bomb with long indie style matches on both ends, whether it's the men's or the women's side. They pretty much signed a lot of wrestlers that have wrestled the independent wrestling style. You know, the long, boring, the young cucks a suck style kind of wrestling and these they signed wrestlers that look like punk but with much less charisma and you know women that you know are yeah i don't want to you know so in essence punk pretty much predicted the future and for the worse and that line about the company being better off after Vince is dead has been completely like taken to another level by the IWC over the years. And guys, stop it. It, it ain't cool. So the pipe bomb at the time when I was little, I was I think I was entering as a freshman in high school at the time. It was very meh. I, I was like very different about it i was like oh okay whatever <laughs> but as it grew on me i was like hmm all right he sam punk's learning to grow on me a little bit so as the years went on in my opinion punk was right about some things and of course other things punk was not so right about so after this promo cm punk would go on to win the w title in his hometown of chicago at money in the bank and quote-unquote leave with it and behind the scenes as documented in the 2012 best in the world documentary punk was still undecided on re-signing with the wwe but he finally did once vince promised the a wwe title win in favor of punk as the title match finish so sam punk is off tv for a week he has this comic-con run-in with triple h and thus begins the summer of CM Punk. So, on the next episode of Monday Night Raw, on June 25th, actually it was June 18th, uh, July 18th, um, they, they announced a WWE Championship tournament to crown a new WWE Champion. And it is also on that episode that Triple H becomes the storyline COO of WWE. And it's sort of that weary, weird angle. And then the following week, on the July 25th episode, they have that tournament to crown a quote-unquote new WWE champion. And at the end of the night, John Cena 
beats the new WWE Champion Rey Mysterio to to become the WWE Champion. So it was also in that night. CM Punk came out with a new theme song, you know, Cult of Personality, um, and with the new with that T-shirt he wore at Money in the Bank, and from there he would face John Cena at SummerSlam to determine the true WWE Champion, which CM Punk won. But things start to spiral down and spiral down quickly. Kevin Nash returned and attacked CM Punk and Alberto Del Rio. Yes, Alberto Del Rio was the Money in the Bank winner the previous month. And he used his Money in the Bank opportunity to cash in and win the title off of Punk. And this was when things started to go downhill. He would go on to feud with Triple H over Kevin Nash. And that would lead to a match at Night of Champions in the main event, which Triple H won. And this was the match that would really derail Punk's momentum and pretty much his morale for the rest of his wrestling career. So, even though Punk would finally regain the WWE title at Survivor Series, but by then, a lot of people stopped caring. The the momentum he had from the summer of Punk back in July of 2011, it was long gone. People didn't care as much about CM Punk back then. Uh, Yeah, back when Survivor Series 2011 rolled around. And this was the start of the 434-day reign. And for people to care so much less about Punk at the start of this reign, that was depressing. That was either depressing or an indication of WWE kind of dropping the ball on Punk. So, CM Punk has this 434-day reign, but it's kind of a 430-day reign of disappointment, of frustration for CM Punk. Because even though he was WWE Champion for 434 days, he was often not in the closing match. He was not often not in the headlining spot. And you could say for good reason. You could say for not good reason. But... John Cena would main event large portions of that uh, of pay-per-views, whether it was against Kane in an ambulance match, John Laurinaitis, for whatever reason, Brock Lesnar in an Extreme Rules match, and against The Big Show in a cage match. Whatever the case may be, John Cena was, in fa- was chosen in favor of CM Punk because, well, I guess WWE, Vince believe that even though like regardless whoever WWE champion was Cena was still seen as a star that had actual mainstream appeal and actual credibility that CM Punk just didn't have so out of any of the pay-per-views that Punk headlined actually headlined he headlined SummerSlam Night of Champions Hell in a Cell and Survivor Series 2012 as well as the 2013 Royal Rumble where he lost the WWE Championship to The Rock. So, yeah, that's not good at all. (laughs) For a WWE Champion that didn't headline a lot of pay-per-views, that's not good at all. It was also during during this long reign that he'd be engaged in some very interesting feuds like Chris Jericho attempting to get punk to drink alcohol the whole crazy chick aj lee love story but it did work out for punk in the end because they actually got married in real life so they tied the knot there so good for them and that very very bad decision by wwe to rush a rejuvenated and repackage skip sheffield aka ryback into a wwe title hell in a cell match because John Cena was injured, and let's, for some reason, put the then hot at the time Ryback into the main event role, for whatever reason. So, while Punk had the promo skills to maintain himself as champion, the booking, the writing, it just simply wasn't there. And a lot of people just didn't see him as a range draw. So... 
we get to the point where he lost the title to The Rock at the Royal Rumble. Punk would lose a rematch to The Rock at the Elimination Chamber, as well as to Cena the next week for whoever faces The Rock at WrestleMania. So, CM Punk goes on to face The Undertaker at WrestleMania, but he also takes a hiatus after that. And by the time Punk returned in June 2013, it was starting to come clear that he was getting frustrated uh, with WWE. And even though he had a banger, he, he had a good match with Brock Lesnar. Like, probably one of the best matches of his career. And, like, honestly, one of my favorite matches of all time. It became clear that WWE had nothing meaningful for CM Punk in the form of mid-card feuds with Paul Heyman, The Wyatts, The Shield, and Kane. Heading up to probably one of the saddest, like, the saddest things. Like, I don't mean this in a good way. Like, or even in a bad way. For a man to do. So, his frustrations came to a head the night after the 2014 Royal Rumble, where he walked into Vince's office and told he told him he was going home. He legit took his ball and go home and went home because he was frustrated with this spot in the company and there was actually more to that. So about 10 months later, after he walked out on the company, he, he went into high detail on Colt Cabana's podcast in November. And this I think this dropped around Thanksgiving time. So he revealed the following. He was suspended two months for the walkout and nobody contacted him after it ended. Company executives gave him a runaround. In other words, they just left him on voicemail. Uh, when he reached out for unpaid, unpaid royalties, he was officially fired on his wedding day with AJ Lee back in June 2014 and at the time he considered how he was fired the final straw and vowed to never work with WWE never return and yet people still want him back so his health was the main reason why he left and he said that he worked through an untreated stealth infection which Punk later acknowledged in a trial that this was never diagnosed but he also worked with broken ribs, injured knees, and multiple concussions. All while, Punk felt that WWE was pressuring him to wrestle before he can have a chance to completely recover. There were other sources of unhappiness for CM Punk in his wrestling career, like not main inventing WrestleMania, which was mainly his fault. Less pay, again, his fault. Creative uncertainty, um, a lot of that is his fault, but also on the creative team. A feeling of no long-term plans for wrestlers other than John Cena, which to a degree still happens to this day, um, except with the, the part without John Cena. So in the end, while a lot can be blamed on the creative team for not striking the iron when it was hot with CM Punk back in July of 2011, a lot can be blamed too on CM Punk. He had the gimmick. He had the mic skills. He had a lot of things to succeed despite not having the physical build to do so. But he ended up just like he just didn't want to improve. He just didn't want to expand his horizons. He didn't want to in terms of wrestling. He didn't want to expand. His promo skills were the only thing that kept casuals remotely interested. Otherwise, like just like today, they're interested in the big dudes that overcome the odds and are likable in their eyes. CM Punk simply didn't fit their bill. He himself got complacent, and it kind of became evident throughout his 434-day reign. He was getting kind of complacent, especially when he came back from his brief post Mania 29 hiatus and I'm just starting to think for myself like why didn't he say anything uh, about being like m very unhealthy to, to Vince like why didn't he tr like try to get uh, a lawsuit sooner 
about his uh, misdiagnosed stealth infection. Even if he was unhealthy, uh, I'm sorry. Even if he wasn't uh, was healthy, why didn't he try to come up with better ideas to expand himself, especially expand on why he's the best, the best wrestler in the world? Because I think Punk is a was a good wrestler. I thought he was pretty good, especially during that 2011 run. At least with the part with um, until SummerSlam and some parts of the 2012 uh, the 2012 run, but in the end, he just became his own worst enemy and became jaded by what truly sells in the pro wrestling industry. Now, sure, you could say oh, the times have changed and stuff, but it's still true it's a true fact of life that storytelling characters and you know hot hot stuff when i mean hot stuff you know i mean like women controversy and all that stuff it sells so for cm punk he just became jaded and sure he came back for WWE backstage that failed fs1 show in 2019 but it became clear he was still jaded with WWE and as for the long-term effects with the pro wrestling industry with the pipe bomb I gotta say the biggest thing that the pipe bomb promo did on the wrestling industry it made fans so damn entitled man <laughs> I, I admit I'm entitled with something with some things in wrestling sometimes especially when it comes to storytelling and characters I admit that I I'm willing to admit that but a lot of fans are not willing to admit they're so damn entitled, man. These, I guess you could call hardcore wrestling fans, aka Smarks, are crazy. They've gotten even crazier. I The pipe bomb promo awoke the now more prominent Smark community. They the, the awoken them to use their voice be on forums, Reddit, social media, to either criticize like actually criticize or bitch you know like when i say bitch like complain without any criticism about something in pro wrestling that didn't fit their personal needs and eventually in time WWE would, would begin to cater to this more hardcore wrestling fans they would shy away from what truly drew their eyes the casual fan they would sign wrestlers that had a more hardcore indie style, cucks of suck style than that CM Punk didn't really have. He didn't even have this style of wrestling. And these wrestlers had much less charisma verbally and gimmick wise than than CM Punk ever did. Wrestlers like Adam Cole, Finn Balor, Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, Bailey, Dakota Kai. Kyle O'Reilly, Ricochet, and I could list many, many more, but there's just so many of them. So this catering would be empowered even more. It would be pretty much solidified with Daniel Bryan's sudden popularity and with that Yes movement in 2014 with WrestleMania 30. For as much as a happy ending, for as, mu for as memorable as that was, the way we got there. It was, it was, yeah, it was not good. It, it, I understand why WWE had to do it, but it was just mad out balls, balls to the wall. So overall, CM Punk's pipe bomb promo, it garnered some mainstream appeal, some short term, at least it hadn't gotten some in some time. I know some fans weren't fans of Punk. Dude did not having the physical build of Cena or Orin or Rock, but he more than made up for it with his wrestling style, decent character, really good promo skills, and he got over with both some casuals and many hardcore fans for the short term. But in the long term, he became his own worst enemy, not just with questionable booking, a lack of trust from both Punk and the creative team, Vince and Triple H, it all resulted in Punk's dwindling interest, both on his end 
in, in the fans' end. And WWE just quickly turned back to Cena, in all honesty with you. So Punk eventually just became bitter. He became jealous. And that essentially led to his downfall. And eventually led him to walking out in 2014. So not only did his bitterness uh, lead to him walking out, it honestly be, it carried over to what most wrestlers are in WWE today. They're just fine with how they are. When he couldn't make improvements to make market himself more to put himself in a higher spot, unlike with 2011, in 2014, he took his ball and went home and never came back. So, in the end, the Pipe Bomb promo was certainly a promo by CM Punk that shook the wrestling world. It shook the mainstream world by storm. But it also changed the way wrestling eventually was going to be portrayed. And it was it's going it's going to be portrayed for the worse. It eventually turned out for the worse. And that's honestly a sad reality, man. It really is. Like I like CM Punk, but man, he he predicted a very bad future for us. But man, it was a interesting like retrospective going into this pipe bomb promo. I I honestly have not seen it ever since I first watched it. I honestly haven't. But it was it was fun looking back at it again. So, I thank you all for going back in time with me into the old icebox for another blast in the past we're gonna close it up again for for now the old icebox is closed once again and i know this podcast is being up uploaded aired on the anniversary the 10 year anniversary of the pipe bomb promo and i know some of you are asking me like why well because it's the anniversary that's why <laughs> but anyway thank you all for joining me on this episode of very cold lasagna another edition as well of the old icebox my retrospective retro review series here on very cold lasagna i'm your host dylan lasagna thank you all for joining me and as always make sure to smash that subscribe button smash that notification bell if you're watching this on youtube Make sure to listen to me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor FM. And follow me on social media on Twitter and Instagram at VeryColdLasagna. And as always, make sure to keep that lasagna very cold and in the fridge with your takes on the world of wrestling and sports. Very cold. And keep that old icebox locked into the very, very cold depths of the freezer and in the the refrigerator, wherever you keep it. (laughs) But yeah, the Pipe Bomb promo change wrestling in the way that it's portrayed today for the worst though for the worst but anyway (laughs) until next time peace out